and welcome to Seize the GM. If you're looking to get started GMing, we're here to help. And if you're a GM with a few levels under your experience belt, we are here to help you find your prestige class. Let us take you through some common questions, concerns, and the fun challenges that every GM will face. We have our ideas, our opinions, and some might even say answers that we want to share. So pull up a chair, dust off your dice, and let us help you seize the GM. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Seize the GM. It's good for you to hear us, I'd say, for us to hear you, but it's podcasting. You know how that goes. Right. Well, well we, we don't have those chips embedded in our heads yet that let us hear the thoughts of the fans and all the accolades that we deserve. <laughs> you don't? I mean, you might not. I do. No, I, I guess in our own ways, we're all cyborgs now, aren't we? Mm. Yes. But this episode, we wanted to kind of come back to one of those foundational questions and then kind of structural setups for games and talk a little bit about pitch sessions and session zeros. They're pretty common phrases to hear nowadays in the gaming world, but we kind of wanted to put out some thoughts and give you kind of some ideas of where we are and what to take into account for those. Yep. And a good idea first, uh, I I think some people kind of uh, have session zero as a pitch session, session zero kind of mashup. So first thing we're going to do is kind of define what we think, uh, what we define each of them as, and then kind of go from there. So, uh, Gar Manger, what would you describe as a pitch session? The pitch session is really kind of the high-level tone and theme session. It's usually the GM trying to sell the players to come along to a system or a setting. Uh, we talk about that kind of in choosing the systems that series that we kind of did earlier but the pitch session is you know it's going to be my turn to run i really want to do something sci-fi so here's here's this game i'm thinking about here's the system you guys want to come along for that all right do we want to look at like big political intrigue do we want to do kind of what's over the next star and get the players involved in that kind of big picture what what the Star Wars opening crawl would say for the game. That's what I see the pitch session as. Actually, that's probably one of the most brilliant ideas I've actually... Ooh, the Star Wars crawl. Wow. Okay. That's <laughs> awesome. I'm sorry. That is like a brilliant way of describing it. <laughs> well, that is exactly what it is. It is... It's, it's kind of the elevator pitch to get your players on board for what you have as an idea to run. Now, it's just the idea. After, after that, if you can get them to say, yes, I am down for this, then awesome. But see, I've also done pitch sessions where I've had like two or three ideas. And I'm like, I've got this idea, this idea, and this idea. I can run all of them. Which one do you feel most interested in being in or for this one there there could be like you kind of want like i'm going to use you want to play kind of something like laura croft indiana jones is like okay do you want more of the intrigue and finding 
right? Which, which what are the Nazis after this time kind of a thing? Or do you really want more of the action, you know, dodging traps kind of thing? And which game systems might uh, go into that and discuss that with your players? Because heck, they might know a system that you're not familiar with. Don't worry. It happens. It's cool. There's some really awesome systems out there. I found out by this. But then you're like, oh, you know what? That might work better for my game. And it it helps you kind of gel, I guess. You know, it, it molds what you're what you're putting the jello into. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because like I said, pitch sessions are kind of weird because you your goal is to pitch out your idea and see what everybody is kind of Mm-hmm. feeling in yep. it you but know the... it's like yeah that's not really my thing i don't really like it cool. mm-hmm. but the, but the thing is also that certain types of games or systems well it's not might not be everybody's bag but it might be enough of the the candies that you like in the bag that you'd be willing to stick around as this like i'm not a big fan of toffees but i really like m&ms and we've got enough m&ms because, you know, somebody, you, it might be able to get a, a good player who m- might not be all in on something, but it has enough of what they like, and they might be able to give it a try. And from, and from there, we have to kind of define the other part of this, which is session Se- zero. Dun, dun, dun. It sounds a lot more ominous than it is, folks. Trust me, it's not that ominous. Well, session zero is where you actually kind of get the player's characters involved. Make sure everyone's building characters that, that work together. Uh, I think we've talked about fate a few times on here on, on the show, and that's got a really good example of incorporating a session zero setup into character creation because it actively yeah. involves other people at the table. It builds not only characters together, but builds character relationships so that there's a reason they're together. There's a coherent kind of theme running through them. And that session zero is the time it takes for people to build a character if they haven't used the mechanics before and to make sure that they all actually will work together so that, you know, Zen isn't building a character over here on the right. And I come in with a character from over here that is completely optimized, mechanically superior in every possible way, but could not exist in the same basic neighborhood as as Zen's kind of downtrodden private eye. Right. That is part of it. Like, that's one of the reasons why I do like a session zero. And I have actually been known to kind of incorporate the two of them together into one session from time to time. It kind of depends on the game. Because yeah, I, yeah. that is that is kind of a tricky thing if you're trying to do like, okay, we're gonna make um and and this is not a, a hit on the system, but we're gonna play Battle Lords of the 23rd century. You cannot do a pitch session and a session zero at the same time. Not unless everybody already knows that game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because that game is so fiddly 
and crunchy, you can't do it. <laughs> and it's great. It is awesome for that. If you want that, that is a game for it, man. Because you can even like tweak what your helmet has in it. it levers upon levers <laughs> upon levers. But it's a level of complexity and specificity that can take an entire session in and of itself. Or more. Mm-hmm. Well, that's before we even talk about the lore for people who don't know that world it's got some dense lore to it and yeah, so it, it's hard for that kind of a game to get a pitch and session zero uh, i think that games like fate and blades in the dark are probably really good examples of ones that you could do both pitch and session zero together but I think that also goes to kind of some of the questions and things to take into account. By the way, these are all listed in the doodly-doo, including links to the Choosing a System series from episode 64, 65, 66. So, you know, go click, read, all that jazz. And so, Jewel, what are some of the things you kind of ask yourself when you're thinking about setting up a pitch session or, or session zero? What, what are you going to plan or well, think about Well, the thing is, it, it depends on if I'm pitching something completely new. If I, I am not expecting people to have character concepts or something like that to, to go right into character creation, initially, if this is something new to the team or most of the team or, or everyone, sometimes it's just like you want to kind of pitch the world, pitch the basic mechanics, so people can kind of like have their brains kind of chew on them a little bit. And sometimes uh, it sounds a little weird, but during a pitch session or, and this is also very time dependent, you know, to, for sometimes if they have like a prefab quick module, you know, first taste kind of a thing that, so people can kind of feel how the mechanics work and how they would, you know, how they would think about the mechanics when they're building their character, when they're building out their concept. You know, that might, that's a pretty good idea for like the, for the pitch session. And then, you know, after usually you have everyone think you can have, like bring everybody in. Uh, so one, also they can posit questions to you for zero session about what's allowed. What are, are you having any house rules or, you know, some of the other things that, cause especially for new systems, a lot of people kind of get, oh my gosh, I'm scared. And they, they, it's a little overwhelming. So giving them a little bit of downtime helps. But for session zero, it also kind of depends on how easy mechanically is it to build a character. Do they have, like, templates you can go off them? Is it... And I played a game, uh, I believe this was eons ago, but Warhammer 40k, the RPG, and... It's all done by rolling a dice, see what happens to you, and my character died before even completing the character twice. So it it, it depends on, you know, sometimes it, it, if somebody's kind of down with the game, down with the 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 essence of what you want to tell, but is iffy about the mechanics, doing a little, you know, first taste module doesn't, you know, maybe an hour to two hours tops using pregens just so they feel it. Usually a good idea in the pitch session because if they hate the mechanics, they're going to have a miserable time the entire time. Better to get that over with first. You know, so. And the thing is for session zero, this is the thing. And as GMs, you want to listen to what 
you know, everyone's going to come to you with questions and stuff like that. You're going to pop ideas and start working with the other players. Hopefully, you know, I highly encourage this. But sometimes they might bring up cool ideas. You can use MacGuffins and plot hooks or, you know, secret evil ninja thing that's targeting one of the players because they brought it up. And you're like, that would be cool, you know, because sometimes they give you some great ideas to help flesh out the world that you're building for them because it's ideas they came up with and you can make it kind of your own. So how about you, uh, Garmoser? What do you like for your zero sesh? And for like, after like say everyone gets on the game, what do you focus on most when your zero session? In the zero session, what I focus on most is kind of something you mentioned, which is the plot hooks of the larger world. Since now the players are getting their characters wound together, what I like to focus on is, from a story standpoint, knowing I have at least one ace in the hole plot hook on each character. Like, do they have a dark secret in their past? Oh, good, I can use that. Are they hunted? Oh, good, I can use that. That each one has something that I can use as a hook. I can figure out how to work that into the bigger story later. That's just having the hook is enough and making sure it's there. And mechanically, something else I really like to do is to make sure each character can do that thing that they see in their head well. Each game has its own kind of benchmarks of success. And so I want to make sure that if we've got, you know, the standard five-person team, the leader can lead. The heavy can be the heavy. I want to make sure at the end of the day, we look at the game and the characters, that the person that is thought of as the tough guy or gal is, in fact, the toughest one who can take the hit. Or the charming one is actually the most charming of the player characters. That way, going into the game, they're comfortable in their role. It reflects what the mechanics say they should have to do that role. And I've got an ace in my back pocket to hook them into a story if they decide they don't want to try to follow the clues in front of them. But actually, by by doing that, you're actually making sure that each character, each player, that there's, I don't want to say no overlap because of course there's going to be some overlap, but everyone has like, has like that one place where they can shine and you doing that ensures that I was like, yeah, I can shine. And you also know that, okay, if you make, you have somebody that's good at mounted horseback combat, you don't put everything in the mountains with no horses. Or I make sure that there's at least one point where they're going to have to face what it means to be that specialized. But yeah, making sure that then the players are going to feel accomplished using their characters. And Zen, what haven't we talked about that you think about in a session zero? What do you try to make sure you can handle or work through with your players? Okay, so my biggest thing is you guys have all kind of hit on I want the players to be able to find a place in the world of this game that they fit. Now, how they fit I'm going to go back and edit that out because <laughs> Fucking my mother-in-law just got home, so the dogs are going to be going stupid for the next 10 minutes. 
It's okay. So, uh, so what I try to do is I try to find that the way to make the players have characters that fit into this game world that we're kind of all building together. Because I have always been a bigger fan of having big open spaces where the players can come in and say, oh, yeah, this is where I'm from. And we have, you know, this crazy history with, you know, the color blue for whatever reason. And, you know, they, they come up with this whole, like, cosmology portion that just fits for that character. So I want those things to, to have a place when this is all going on. And some of that will come out in your zero session. Some of it may come out between that pitch session and that session zero. Because I honestly feel like if you're doing them at separate times, there needs to be pretty much a constant back and forth during that time between everybody as they're trying to find ways to fit everybody together into the game so that you don't, you know, everybody like, I mean, it can be done, what I'm about to say, so don't jump on me. But if you're playing like D&D and everybody's making a fighter, yes, there are awesome, cool, eight different ways you can build a fighter at the very minimum. And But if you just, if everybody starts building everything in a complete and total vacuum, that's what you could end up with. And if that, is something that you're okay with, then let it ride. But if you want to have more diversity in your game, then having everybody talking in between that time where you sit down to actually make characters, that can be, that's kind of how I have to, I, I look at trying to make it as balanced overall as possible because i know that there are people that will be like you know a whole group of clerics or a whole group of hackers or you know and like i said there's nothing wrong with that especially if that's the kind of game you want but if you're trying to run like a traditional shadow run game and you have four deckers in your group it becomes kind of difficult to make that work. I'm noting your mockery of the cleric core, and this is something no, that we no, no. in the future. I said that it, it can be done, and it can be done well. <clears throat> oh, yeah. But the cleric core will rise up. <laughs> <laughs> the it, amen. It is difficult to do <laughs> unless you know what you're getting into. And the players have to understand that that's what kind of that's part of like your pitch session. You know, if you want to do a whole group of clerics, you're like, okay, guys, I got this cool idea. We're going to do the cleric core. You know, yes, you can totally do that. But if that's what you want to do as the GM, make that explicit in that pitch session. Whereas if it's not, and everybody just shows up with it, 
then you have to be able to say, okay, well, that's not really what I was going for here, but let's make it work. If that makes any sense. It, it does. It does. You know, it, so those are the two big things that I, I try to do is kind of make it so that because when things are really out of balance and whack, then it's very obvious where there are flaws in the system. Well, and I think that's a way to highlight those flaws if you really want to. I think one of the things this kind of drives home is that pitch sessions and session zeros are really fluid. There's not a lot of, of hard and fast rules here. And that's kind of what makes it difficult. And I know yeah. we're kind of you know wrapping up our, our kind of intro thoughts on it. But you, yes, you listeners out there, would you like to hear one or more than one of us do a pitch session for the podcast? Would you like us to record pitching or doing a session zero for some game or system in the future? If so, you know how to find us on social media, all the appropriate places. I'm sure there's a recorded bumper to stick in here that will list all of them. Or Zen will leave this in to make me sound foolish. I will leave it in to make you sound foolish because that's way better. Yeah, no, find us on all of our social media from Twitter, Instagram, all of it. Um, we also have a Discord server, so definitely check that out. We're actually pretty responsive on our Discord server, so that is an easy way to get uh, a message to us. Is to find that. us. Find us. Tell us who you want to hear running a pitch session, or maybe tell us what game or setting you'd like to hear one of us pitch to the rest of the Seize the GM crew. And we promise that we will at very least take it under consideration. If you're a Patreon on the patreon.com, we will take it with the appropriate level of seriousness and responsiveness. Yes. <laughs> yep. But the, the one thing guys is you got to take, you got to remember when you're doing all of this, you're doing this. So you guys, you and your friends can have a good time. So one, even if it's fun, keep an eye on your own mental stamina, you know, cause Thinking about all this stuff, it might be fun, but it is tiring. And if things kind of like, like, hey, this isn't quite working, it's okay to stop, breathe, rethink about it, and say, hey, why don't we just watch a movie? We'll talk about this next week. It's okay, because there's a lot to digest. And sometimes people just might not be in the right mindset to think about what exactly they need to do to play in your game, even if they're interested. So yeah. Be kind to yourself, be kind to your players, because you want to have fun. So what you're trying to do with these sessions is optimize your fun potential. Because if not, then it's boring. Why are you wasting your time doing something boring? <laughs> True. Well, um, as we are so fond of saying, we have literally just barely scratched the surface on this one. So we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. And we're going to roll on into our dad blogs. System neutral pieces that can be worked into an ongoing game or inspiration for your next big game event. Zen, go. <laughs> I, I am out. I am. I apologize. I got food poisoning over the uh, the weekend, and I. I'm still fighting that off, so I, I apologize. I'm out this one. Okay. All right, odds or evens? 
No, no, he got me. Okay. <laughs> All right. The monks of Distan. The sting of incense burns the eyes and the nose. It was hard to see in this dimly lit room when you added the clouds of incense on top of it. In the back of the room is a shadow. It seems to be a robed figure. Of course it is, you think. I can do this, you tell yourself. No one will be able to stop me. You got you go to close the distance, and each step forward appears to make the distance greater. As each step makes this seem more like it's going to be impossible to close the distance. Running is a very short-lived exercise in futility. When as you stop, the distance seems to become fluid. And you're just inside the tent. How do you close the distance? The monk said something stupid about looking back the way you would come. That is not a real answer on how to do anything. But at this point, what have you got to lose? So you look back the way you've come. The flap to the tent is right there. You cannot see the marks on the ground that you took to get into the tent, though. Taking a step toward the flaps, you feel the distance grow. Reach out to grab them, and there's nothing to grab but air. As you've traveled in just the blink of an eye, the distance of a league or more. Fun. Oh, wicked, dude. Wicked. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I've been playing around with this idea of them for the last several months. <laughs> so, yes, I like them. Okay. So, Cardamogé, what have you got? The legendary Battery of Tunaki. I mean, these things are supposed to be chrome, right? They're shiny and, and minimalist with sharp angles and bright lights. It's called a Battery of Immense Power from the South Pacific, attributed to the legendary Tunaki Islands. But what is it really that you've found? I mean, it's hard to know what to do with this Baroque creation. I mean, no edge exists. Instead, rounded planes meet with ornamentation and embellishments across the entire face of this thing. Some kind of capacitor, as it was described. Several of the nodules are kind of warm to the touch. And they glow a light purple when the sun is down and the moon is up. It is silent. Well, not just itself. As you draw near, every other sound seems to melt away, and you grow slightly chilled. You run your hands across the expertly worked surface and ask yourself, how could you open this battery? I like it. Well, we both like kind of. Uh, you you guys are kind of going into the the creepy territory. It's not inherently creepy, but I will no. say, if you've been listening to you know the show for a while, you may want to go back a few episodes. There there, there may be a theme building from some other card. As I said, some some other stat blocks. This could play into something, maybe. 
Sort Maybe. Of. <coughs> Check yeah. the doodle do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I understand. Okay. Well, that is awesome. Now, another thing that we don't go over on the show is we also go over how to use all of these items potentially in a game. So if you want to see our ideas for how you could use these, go ahead and go check out our show notes because we have like pages of show notes and you can just pull these right out of there if you want and how to use it. So, but our next thing, we're going to go ahead and flip on over to our lexicon. An uncommon word that helps improve your descriptions with a bit of information about those words as well. Okay, so the word for our lexicon episode uh, segment this time is threshold. Ooh. Not, not an odd word, kind of a normal word, but there's a lot of definitions for this kind of simple word. So we're going to go through the first five definitions that we have here. Okay. So, number one is the plank, stone, or piece of timber that lies under a door, as in like the sill. Yeah, the door sill. That that this is the right. carry you across the threshold, meaning right. across because you're literally going over. Yes, not just through, but over. But over, yeah. And then you have the second definition, which is technically there's three in this. So there's 2A, which is a gate or door. And then B1 is an end or boundary. Specifically, the end of a runway is called the threshold. And then the other one in the 2B2 entry is the place or point of entering or beginning, so like the onset of something. The threshold to adventure. Yes. And then the third definition, 3A, is, I know there's so many of these, mm -hmm. is the point at which a physiological or psychological effect begins to be produced, such as a high threshold of pain. I think that's what <laughs> gamers can understand. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then 3B is a level point or value above which something is true or will take place and below which it is not or will not take place. So these are some cool ways that you can use this really simple word other than, you know, going through a door and referring to it as instead of a door as a threshold. You know, there's a lot of other really cool things that you can use this word for in your, in your descriptions of things. So now the history and etymology for a threshold is kind of long and it is middle English, which is thresh threshold. 
which is from the Old English Threshwald, which is akin to the Old Norse, which is for threshold, which is uh, Threskjold, I believe. I don't know Old Norse well enough yet, but I should. <laughs> it's completely out of my repertoire. Sorry. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's kind of an old concept. So the first known use of the word threshold is before the 12th century. As, That's old. As in the the first definition of like a a a sill. So now the popularity lookup for this particular word is the top 10% of words. I usually shoot for the bottom 40. And this one was just like, no, I want to do something that's kind of people know, but may not know all of these cool ideas for it. So oh, it was something that was in the, the high end. It's a very versatile word. Let's just put it that way. And there's a couple, and depending on how you use it, it can actually have a sense of joy and, you know, excitement or dread and foreboding. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, the cool thing about it. Yeah, how you use it. Uh-huh. It's one of those cool words that it, you know, just saying it, you're not sure whether it goes to the happy, excited, or, oh gosh, am I going to hide my head under the covers? <laughs> yeah. So, well, folks, that is that is our normal stuff. So we're going to go ahead and hit some closing remarks. And then we will call this show wrapped up. Jules, go. All right. Um, I've been thinking a lot about uh, kind of like the passing of the torch. and. I started watching Batman Beyond because, well, I've been sick, and and honestly, it's brilliant. It, this is, you know, it, it's the spinoff of Batman the Animated Series, so they also got some ruddy, brilliant voice acting in there. And honestly, it was really, really interesting to see how that interplay between villain and hero changes when... You have a new hero with the that's donned that mantle, but deals with it in extremely different ways. Yeah, it, Terry McGinnis, the the new Batman, starts sparring verbally sparring with the Joker, and it's pissing the Joker off because he he can dish it, but he couldn't take it. So somebody coming up these like snappy one liners and engaging him in in kind of like, you know, that kind of like. Uh, you know, sassy battle, he's never done that and he doesn't know what to do. It's it's an interesting way to actually kind of get a different psychological view. Um, and also the the story with Victor Freeze. And if you thought he was a tragic victim in Batman the animated series, oh my gosh. The the this one broke me. It it broke me. So if you it's interesting because you get to see, you know, it's like okay, you have a big bad. And now you get to see, okay, what happens if you have somebody else that's, you know, interacting with him, still in that hero role, very different personality. So I loved it. 
It was fun. And honestly, the music they got for that just works so good. So nice. go watch it. Enjoy it. Have fun. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Amazing, fantastic, marvelous show. Love Batman and Batman Beyond. Uh, but I'll go ahead and tell you to do your best to hunt down Brimstone. It truly underrated late 90s TV show. Gone Too Soon had half a season, 13 episodes. Is not currently streaming anywhere, and I'm not sure if they ever re-released DVDs. By the way, if you have a copy, contact the show. I'd like to speak with you about how to buy them from you. <laughs> the idea of souls escaping hell and the devil enlisting someone or a soul in hell to help recapture them in exchange for freedom is pretty common. But this one not only did it well, but it had John Glover as the devil and Lori Petty in a recurring supporting role. It really is a surprisingly excellent show with fantastic guest stars and smarter and sharper writing than you expect for a late 90s mainstream show. John Glover, by the way. Do you, if you remember that show? Yeah, if you don't remember who John Glover is, he's Lionel Luther from Smallville. And he made yeah. one of the most fantastic, upbeat, but still terrifying devils that has yeah. ever graced the small screen. Oh, I, I high five. Oh, if only the thing is like, if only that shows that evil kit does not have to be big spooky. It could be classy as all get out and utterly terrifying. Yeah. Ruddy brilliant. The guy was ruddy brilliant. Yeah. So. And for me. So I don't know if you guys have watched the show Grimm. It ran until about three years ago. And it is a really cool look at like the myth and mythology of folklore with a kind of new lens. And how it was done was there are these people called Grimms who can see the myths and the folklore that exist all around us that are embodied in people and they dive super heavy into like the German and everything. It's, it's really fun for that because the original Grimm brothers were German. Yeah. If you like fables, so, if you like that comic, you're going to like Grimm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun and it's, it is a TV police procedural drama, but with a real strange myth folklore spin on it. So it's a lot of fun. So, yeah, go check that out. Thanks oh, for listening. Hold on. Before we go, I would also just like to give a shout out to if you've noticed by the intro. We have new music. We acquired this music from a really awesome guy that I ran into on Twitter who goes by the Simulacra. And he is really cool. Go follow him. There is a link in the doobly-doo for where you can find him and follow him. 
and let him know that you found him because of us. But he's a really nice guy, and he's from the Chicagoland area. So. Well, yeah. Three, three cheers for new artists. Hurrah! Yeah. Hip, hip. Hurrah! Hooray! 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 <laughs> All right. So, guys, it has been fun, and we are back with a vengeance. So get ready for all kinds of new shows. So we will Stay see tuned. you guys <laughs> soon. Thanks for checking in. It was a blast sharing our thoughts and ideas on our time. We hope that you had a great time with us and could hardly wait to share the next show. In the meantime, let us know how you handled this topic in your own games. You can find us on most social media platforms, especially Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you want to follow us, search for Seize the GM. And if you just want to follow one of us, search for our names on the social media platform of your choice, or go to SeizeTheGM.com for convenient links. Seize the GM is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. All copyrighted material referenced herein are held by the respective owners. No infringement intended and no claim of ownership is Once again, thanks to you, our listeners. We hope you gained some ideas for your ongoing games. Or the inspiration to run your first. Now get out there and play some games. Roll some dice. Be safe, and you'll hear from us again soon.